Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord. Father, we thank you once and again for the opportunity to come before your presence, to give your name honor and glory, to lift you on high. We thank you, Lord, because you are our keeper. You're our shade on our right hand. We thank you, Father, for just being there. Even when we're going through the midst of our trials and our struggles, even when we can't see you, God, even when we can't feel you, Father, we know that you're ever-present. And so we thank you right now, God, for being there, for showing up not when we call you, but on time. And so we bless you today. Father, I pray right now that you would forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, for against thee and only thee do we sin. And so we pray that you would walk with us, be with us, talk with us, guide us and direct us. I decrease now that you might increase. And so, Father, we ask you to trust us with your anointing, as you've done so many times before. We promise we'll not give your glory to another, neither will we take it for ourselves. For all the glory and the honor belongs unto you. These are your people, O oh God. And if you touch them, they shall be healed. If you strengthen them, God, they shall be lifted up. God, if you heal them, they shall be made whole. And we thank you right now for never breaking a promise. For your promises are yea and amen. And we stand on your word. And we trust in you, O oh God. Now give us wisdom, knowledge, and quick conception of your Holy Spirit. That we might have the word to live by. That we might be all we could be in you. And for this, we give you praise. Come on, clap those hands, all you people. Come on, clap them and give them praise. Hallelujah. 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 Tell your neighbor, I don't know where would I be if it wasn't for the Lord. Oh, if you believe it, come on, praise him for it. Yes, praise him for it. Amen. While you're standing, we've already addressed the house and we've already honored our leaders. But just for me, just indulge me. Let's honor the leaders of the house, the angel of the house in his absence, Pastor Darrell Jackson. We're praying for assistant, associate pastor and uh, Lady Jackson. We want to continue to keep her in our prayers. And of course, we do honor the set man that is here today that is standing in place, our assistant pastor, Pastor Randall Mack Jackson. Come on, let's give God to all the elders, the deacons, the ministers, to all the doorkeepers, the dancers, the musicians, the singers. We honor you all. Now tell your neighbor, this one's for you. Come on, clap. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning we talked about empty doesn't mean over or don't mean over. And um, as I was sitting in the back uh, preparing for the 11 o'clock service, I said, I want them to know I do know I need to give them three points. I gave them to them. I just didn't say one, two, three. <laughs> so for your, let me give you your points for those of you that were waiting for your points. Your first point this morning was challenges and struggles never come at a convenient time. Number two, your point was seeds of faith are always within us. Y'all remember those that were here? And your third point was sometimes God has to break us, our spirit, in order to save our soul. 
Amen. God is, is an awesome God, and sometimes he does things we don't quite understand the way he does them. And sometimes we don't understand what he's doing when he's doing it. But we can set for sure, we can know for sure that whatever he does, he does it with a strategy and a plan in mind. Amen. We're going to go quickly to the word of God, Matthew, the 16th chapter. And we're going to go down to the 29th verse. I'm sorry, John, forgive me, John, the 16th chapter. 29th verse when you have it say amen and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation and they should have that translation for you on the monitors and the word of the Lord reads then his disciples say at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you from this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The word of the Lord is blessed. I like to use for a topic for this afternoon's sermonic presentation, unshakable faith. Somebody say unshakable faith. And as supernatural women and men, we have to stand in a place of unshakable faith. Believing that whoever God says he is, that he is that. Whatever he says he will do, that he will do that. And that without a doubt in our mind and without wavering, we can stand on his promises. One of the things that we're looking at today, even in our present day uh, system, as we're looking at our political system, we see a lot of things going on. And we see that there's a shaking in our governmental system. We see there's a shaking in our political system, in our economic system, and we see that things seem to be out of control. But just like we told you earlier, we know that God is always in control. Somebody say, God is always in control. Most of us have probably never heard the name Rachel Scott. She was a young woman from Littleton, Colorado, where she attended Columbine High School. And many of us do remember Columbine. Rachel was active in her church youth group. She was a member of her church choir. She was a leader of a school prayer band. But most of all, Rachel was a true believer. On April 20th, 1999, Rachel went to school like it was any other day. She attended her classes. She exchanged notes and ate lunch with her friends. Her day started out like any other day. She had no idea of the choices that she would suddenly have to make. Rachel was not aware that two of her classmates the night before sat in a dark basement playing, planning war against teenage believers. They sawed off shotguns. They built bombs. They loaded automatic weapons. They planned to kill 500 people 
and to gun down anyone who professed the name of Jesus. The next day, they entered the school shooting and killing 24 and wounding 34 others. They walked into the area where Rachel and her friends were having lunch. They invited everyone who professed Jesus to stand up. Rachel was the first to stand. They placed the gun to her temple and asked her, do you believe in Jesus? With tears streaming down her face, she replied, yes, I believe. And in front of heaven, hell, and all her friends, they took her life. Cut down in her prime because she believed. And when the reporters or the commentators were talking about the story, they could not understand why Rachel could not be still. They could not understand why Rachel could not be silent. Others said that if she be alive today, if she had just kept silent. But Rachel obviously knew something about Jesus that even her assailants didn't know, and she was unshakable in what she knew. Rachel is going, has gone down in history as one who is a true believer that in spite of what has been faced with, no matter what it looks like, the obstacle that is in her way, that she is going to trust and believe in God. Not only is she going to trust and believe him, but she's going to declare him right where she stands. At the core of our belief system is what we know to be confidence. Not confidence in our own ability or the ability of others, but it is the unshakable belief in the power, the trustworthiness, or the reliability of a person or thing greater than oneself. It is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something having a firm trust. It means we're invited to express ourselves freely with an openness of boldness, even the midst of obvious intimidation. It is this confidence that Rachel had. It is this confidence that ignites our faith. Hebrews 1 and 1 tells us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us that without faith, somebody help me, it is impossible to please him. For who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The text implies that we must have faith mixed with confidence when we look with God. And whether we believe it or not, faith does not stand on its own. But the words faith, trust, and belief all come from one root word, which means to be persuaded. Which means that there, no matter what goes on, I not only have faith, but I am persuaded. It is the same word that Paul uses in Romans 8, 38, and 39 when he says, For I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, you know it, nor death, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. 
And so when we hear these three words, faith, trust, and belief, it indicates a transfer of our trust from our ability to God's ability. I'm no longer trusting and leaning on myself, but I trust on God's ability because outside of myself, I can do nothing. Outside of myself, I can't accomplish anything. Outside of myself, I'm just flesh and bones, and only God is able to accomplish the things in me that needs to be accomplished. We have to learn how to trust in what he has promised. If God said it today, it's still good a year from now. If God says it a year from now, it's still good five years from then. We got to believe that if God said it, he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he ought to repent. If he said it, it shall. Tell somebody, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. We trust in what he has done and what he will do. Amazingly, we have seen God do some miraculous things. We have seen God raise the dead. Now, maybe none of us have seen that, but in our day, in the early church, when I was coming up in church, we saw people actually get raised from the dead. We saw people throw their wheelchairs aside. We saw people hang their crutches on the wall. Oh, come on, somebody. And so because I have seen it and experienced it. The same God that I served back then is the same God that's moving amongst us today. Some of you may not believe it, but I know there's enough of us that believe that kind of God, that he can still work like he worked back then. If it did it before, you know the word, he'll do it again. Come on, somebody. John says that we can trust him because his word does not fail. And because of this, it makes sense that we should have an unshakable belief in the power of God. I have an unshakable belief in the power of God to save me to heal us, and yes, to make us free. I believe that God can move when he wants to move it, how he wants to move, and whenever he wants to do it. I believe that God can change things in a moment before I can even think about it. He has already worked it out. I believe that I can look at it today and it can look dismal today, but I can wake up in the morning and it's brand new. I believe that if I close my eyes, uh -huh, I can blink and believe that God will move on my behalf. I know that God is a God like that, and we have to trust him and believe. I think that sometimes we have become so complacent and so comfortable in our faith and our relationship with God that we forgot how all-powerful and all-knowing he really is. We forgot that he ain't nothing to play with. God ain't, tell your neighbor, he ain't no plaything. Come on. He, he ain't nothing to play with. He's a terrible God. God said he's so bad that he don't have nobody to swear by so he swear by him own self hallelujah he's that kind of God he's so bad that he can cause the winds and the waves to maybe you don't know that kind of God but the God I know if I could be in the car going 90 miles an hour and flip and the God can I know can turn it right side up on somebody that's the kind of God I serve and so when I know what I serve, when I know who I serve, there's nothing that anybody can do to make me doubt him. Y'all know I've been singing the songs in my mind. I'm not a singer, so I have to say the words, you can't make me doubt him because I know too much about him. 
He's that kind of God. When you're an unshakable person, you know the one who is in control. Now, I know the enemy tries to make us think that he is in control. I know he wants us to make it think that he can turn things around for us. I know that he's the one that wants us to think that he is the one that control our employment, control our finances, control our marriages, control our children. But he don't control nothing up in here. Come on, somebody. He don't control nothing in my house. I don't give him no control. I don't give him no room. I don't give him an exit. I don't give him a door. I don't give him a foot. I let him know that the God I serve is the one that covers this area. When you are an unshakable person, you have a deep sense that although you would not have chosen the path that you're on, the path that you walk in, you have full confidence in God. Psalm 16 and 8, David says, I have set the Lord always before me. I shall not be shaken. In other words, whenever I'm going through a trial, whenever I'm going through a struggle, whenever I am facing something that I know I can't do anything about it, I set the Lord before me. I get on my knees. Come on, somebody. I, the Lord already knows about it. Jeremiah said before I could even ask him, he has already sent the answer. But what I do is I get on my knees and I say, Lord, you know all about it. All I need you to do is fix it for me. Jesus, fix it. And as many as I say that, God, and because I know it, I shall not be shaken. Come on. Do I have any unshakable people in here today? Yes, the devil desires to shake up things around us. As we look, and I, I mean, I'm watching CNN on a regular basis. I come into the house and I say to my husband, uh, what did our president do today? Uh, what did they do today in Congress? And I sit down, I'm never disappointed because it's always going to be something entertaining. But when I look at it, I just go to shaking my head. I say, with all that foolishness, I understand. That's just God upsetting what they think they have upset. Come on, somebody. That's just God fixing and operating on our own behalf. And the minute that people begin to realize, I don't care how much you bully people, I don't care how much you push people, you cannot bully God. Come on, somebody. And so when I look at it, I'm not concerned about what's going on in our political system. Oh, I want to know. I want to be in the know. But I'm not concerned because I know they can't do nothing unless God allows it. Come on. I know that he won't do nothing before he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. I know that they can't do anything. And no matter how strong they think they are and how much power they think they have, they don't have all power. Jesus says all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And if he's got all power, how can they think they got any power? I'm just trying to stir up some folk today. I'm just trying to get you to the place where you realize who you really are. Maybe we don't know who we really are. Maybe we don't have a sense of how bad we really are. Maybe we don't know what power we possess. We can do more than cast out devils. We can pray and change this world's system. Come on, somebody. I think we forgot who we were. 
I think we forgot what God called us to do. So God shakes up some things and three things that God causes and shakes up in our lives. The first thing he shakes up is the things that are around us. So as we see things now in the political system, in the economic system, amazingly, they gave all the credit to our president for the rising of the stock exchange and for the rising of the Dow. But as soon as he made a big mistake, the Dow went down and they blamed him for the lowering of the Dow. But it wasn't him that really did anything. He was used, do you understand? God used Pharaoh to accomplish his purpose. Pharaoh was not a willing participant as he thinks he was. God had to bring his children out with a mighty hand and he knew that Pharaoh would act the way that he was gonna act. So he used him to get what he needed accomplished. You don't understand, God will use whatever he needs to do to get his will accomplished. Stop worrying about what's going on. You're not going to lose your health care. You're not going to lose your job. You're not going to lose your pension. Come on, somebody, if you believe it, shout, yeah, you're right. Shaking up some things around us. Sometimes things get tough, topsy-turvy. Sometimes we don't know which way we're going or which way to turn. But there are things that God has to shake up around us. He will shake up things around us, our families. He will shake them up. He will shake them up to get our attention. He will shake up our finances to get our attention. I had someone tell me that they had gone and that they had wanted to tell the truth about a matter at their job. And so when they spoke out, they lost their job. And they lost their job, but six months later, that same job was investigated by the, uh, by the, by the um, F, F, the people with the money. <laughs> and they were not affected by what happened. Sometimes you can get shaken for doing the right thing. But God has a plan, so don't you worry about it. Don't get depressed and disheartened because somebody fired you. I've been fired before. I know that hurt. Only one time, but I know that hurts. But I don't worry about it because I realize that God had something better for me. He said, I had to fire you because you wasn't going to quit. See, sometimes God got to take you out because you ain't going to leave. Sometimes he's got to make people leave you because you won't leave them. He will shake up things around you. He'll mess you up. You think everything is all right. You wake up one day and it looks like things are not happening your way. But there's a reason. Tell somebody there's a reason. There's a reason why God is shaking it up. He's trying to instill something down on the inside of you. The second thing that God will shake up. Y'all going to get out of church real early today. The second thing that God will shake up are things under you. There are things that are under you. You know, every time we have a storm lately, I've never seen the amount of trees that are literally uprooted from the ground. 
30-year-old trees, 40-year-old trees been in your yard and, and you walk, the ground becomes saturated by the rain and then the wind comes and swooshes and knocks the tree down, but the tree just doesn't fall. You're not losing branches. We've had branches fall before. We've had branches be iced and fall off, but this, if you look around, the trees are not just falling. They're being uprooted. Come on. They're coming up from the ground. God is saying there's some old stuff. Hallelujah. That's been hanging around for 30 or 40 years. I can't get you to change it. So I'm going to pull it up from the root. I'm going to uproot it. I'm going to put it where you can't plant it again. I'm going to put it where you can't restore it again. I'm going to make it where you don't want it again. And then when I shake it up, I'm going to cover the ground. If you look at it, that when the tree comes up, the ground sucks back together again. It's as if the tree was never there. God says, I'll fix it so it'll look like it was never there. I'm talking to somebody I don't know who I'm talking to but if I'm talking to you you need to praise him right now that's a good place to give him some praise yes sir the third thing that God will shake up he will shake up stuff inside of us mm, I know we don't like to deal with inside of us but he will shake up some things that are on the inside of us. Sometimes there are things that are going on that we've been holding on to, that we've become comfortable with. We want people to say, this is how I am. This is how I've been. I've been like this all my life. God is saying, don't you understand? I'm trying to change some things. I'm trying to move some things around so I can't let you stay in the same place. Don't nobody want to stay in the same place all their life. Imagine if you were a baby be all your life you would be considered retarded and malnourished but God says you gotta grow up sometime and growing up causes pain growing up means that you gotta be reformatted growing up means I gotta download different stuff into your mind he gotta shake up some stuff inside of you to get you to where he wants you to be if you believe it praise him shake up some stuff somebody say shake it up Lord Shake it up, Lord. Oh, you want to be shaken? Shake it up, Lord. Grab your neighbor and shake him. Tell him, I'm trying to shake it up out of you so you can be all that God wants you to be. I mean, shake him real good, real good. Shake him. <laughs> Hebrews 12 tells us, 26 and 28. The writer says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. Said it shook the earth, mother. But now he makes another promise. And this is the Lord speaking. He said, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken. Everything that was created, the fish, the flowers, the trees, the grass, the cat, the dog, the cow, everything will be shaken and removed. Come on, somebody say removed. So that only the unshakable will remain. 
everything has to be shaken so that only that which is unshakable can remain. And that's why God is shaking up things on our lives because he's got to make sure that whatever is left on the earth are the things that the devil cannot destroy, are the things that the devil cannot move, are the things that the devil cannot get you to stop doing. And the things that we got to remember is that prayer becomes our unshakable thing. Fasting becomes our unshakable thing. Praise becomes our unshakable thing. Come on. We got to understand that God is calling for a church that will not be moved. You'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Anything that is unshakable shall not be shaken. And so Jesus said, getting back to my text, I'm going all the way back to John 16, y'all. So Jesus says, when they have the discourse about what people are saying that Jesus is, who do they say that I am? Everybody got an opinion. Everybody got an opinion who God is. Who do they say that I am? And they tell them, some say that you're the prophet Elijah. Some things say you're John the Baptist reincarnate. Some things, people say a lot of things about you. Peter, who do you say that I am? Do you? He said, I say that you are the son of the living God. Jesus said, son, flesh and blood couldn't have revealed that to you. You had to be in the spirit to understand that. But he tells them, if you really believe what you say, not only will I invest in you the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, not only will I build my church upon you, he says, but if you believe in what I say, he says, you will understand what I'm getting ready to say to you right now. He says that there are people that are trying to destroy me. Understand this, church. There are people that are trying to destroy the integrity of the church. He said, there are people that are trying to destroy me. He said, and then many of you are going to run away and look like you left me alone. But I'm not alone. I'll never be by myself. He said, but the reason why I'm telling you this is because I need you to know that I'm not confused about what's getting ready to happen to me because this is the plan of my father. He said, but the reason why I'm telling you is so that when it happens, somebody say when it happens, that you will be unshakable. In other words, you already knew it was going to come to pass. There are some things you got to expect to happen. There are trials in your life you can expect to happen. There is rain in your life you can expect to happen. There are things that you've got to expect to happen. You can expect folk to walk out on you. You can expect folk to lie on you. You can expect to have hard days and hard nights. You can expect to be through labor. You can expect all those things. But in the midst of that, I'm not telling you that so you will be afraid, but I'm telling you that so you will be unshakable, so that nothing shall harm you you so that you'll be always unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Somebody say yes. yes. I did that so they could find me on the organ. Hallelujah. Unthink unshakable. Unshakable are the things that God is calling us to have. My faith is unshakable because in spite of what I've been through, I still believe God. A few years ago, and some of you know our testimony, a few years ago, my husband had gotten severely sick. And during the time of him being sick, 
He, we couldn't find out what was going on him, with him. Um, he had gone to specialists. He had gone to doctors. He would try to walk. He's a, an avid golfer, but he could not even walk the golf course. And he would try to play. He couldn't swing. He was just stressed. And he would take a few steps, and he would lose his breath. And so we had gone to doctors, and then nothing seemed to be coming out. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out what was going on with him. We took him to uh, oncologists and everything. The oncologists could not find nothing. We took him back to um, um, ears, nose, and throat specialists. Um, we took him to different specialists. And one day, one doctor said, I think what you have is multiple myeloma. But he had already been tested for multiple myeloma, and the oncologist did not find it. And so we'd gone through it, and so he said, we're going to send you back, and we're going to test you again. And so when they tested him, they found indeed that it was positive for multiple myeloma. And when they found it at the time they found it, he only gave him six months to live. He told him that with treatment, you can last longer, but the way the aggressiveness of this, this disease, that it is only going to give you six months. We can give you a bone marrow transplant, and that bone marrow transplant will be good for you for six years, and you have to come back and get another. And here we are looking at financially, he can't work. How many of you know that most of us live from paycheck to paycheck? And when you are a pastor and you are responsible for a church, a lot of times when the bills don't meet up, you they come out of your pocket. Oh, see, y'all didn't know that. Okay, I'm going to back it, back it up. So anyway, so, so as I'm looking at him, we're trying to figure out where we're going to get the finances for him to get a, a bone marrow transplant. And finally, someone told us about some of the grants and the things that they have. And then, of course, we got a little nervous because we figured I made too much for us to possibly get a grant. So we just started praying. We only told our immediate family, and we just started praying. We didn't want to trouble the church folks about what God was going to do. But then uh, uh, as time went on, the grants started coming through and he went and he got his bone marrow transplant lost all of his hair lost all this weight he has a brand new immune system but in the meantime I've got to take time off my work my job I can't get paid on my job and so we're concerned about the things that we cannot take care of but the Lord said that what I'm doing is I'm trying to shake up some things in my life so your life so when it happens and when you go through a real trial and I said Lord this is not a real trial he said when you go through it. Now, I don't know what the real trial is going to be, but obviously that wasn't the real trial. And he said, when you go through a real trial, you will not be shaken. But we went through it, and, and, and when he got his bone marrow transplant, he still has to have a maintenance. And so we still got to pay for maintenance. But God has never allowed us to skip a beat. God has taken care of every bill. Come on. He is healthy with all his hair. He's back on the golf course playing golf like a rock star. He never has to worry about not being able to breathe. But it's because God says, I'm going to shake you up now so that what is going to remain are the things that are unshakable. And so we are at the place in our life now that the devil can throw his best shot and we shall not be moved. The 
devil can come against us with whatever he thinks he has. Come on. I'm like Job. I'll trust in God all the time. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You got to get to the point that if God takes your job, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you lose your car, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you lose your house, blessed be the name. Come on, somebody. Be the name of the Lord. Somebody got to walk in an unshakable faith. Come on, somebody. See us. Praise God up in here. See, y'all shouldn't have shouted before the message. What God wants to do, and trust me, I'm done. What God wants to do in this day and time, I think we, I mean, it's great. Women's days are great. I enjoyed it. This is where I get all my preaching engagements. Hallelujah. But what I want us to do is that the purpose for doing it is so that we become more like Jesus. We become more of what he wants us to become and to do. And right now, the world sees us as a joke. But we ain't no joke. And so when we come through what we're coming through, the only thing that is going to remain is that things that are unshakable. Come on, somebody. That my faith is going to another level. My worship is going to another level. My praise, come on, is going to another level. Come on, I will not worry about the, the arrow that flies by day. I will not worry about anything that happens to me at night. I will trust in the name of the Lord thy God. I will stand on his word. I'll be like Rachel Scott. Put a gun to my head, I'll still give him praise. Come on, somebody. The worst thing a devil could have done to her was to kill her. Because now she's praising God with her testimony and she's dead. The worst thing the devil could have did was kill Jesus on the cross. Because since Jesus resurrected, come on somebody, since he's been risen, he got a greater testimony. The worst thing that could have happened to Lazarus is that he died and got resurrected. Come on somebody. Because God understands that when the enemy tries to kill us, that he has the power to raise us up. Come on, somebody. When you look at the word redemption, it means to buy back. But when you look back at what Jesus did, he redeemed us. That means that in, what he did was he allowed something to stand up again. So literally redeem means that I had the resurrected means that I'm standing up again. In other words, I was down. Come on. I was standing up before. Then I was down, but I've been resurrected. And so now I'm standing up again. And some of us need to get to the place where we're standing up again come on you've been down but God says I want you to stand up again come on there you go somebody over here you were down but God said stand up again all right you got it you got it over here you were down but God said stand up again I'm standing up because I've been resurrected. I've been raised with Jesus Christ. I know I got unshakable faith. I know I got unshakable power. I know I'm walking in the favor of God. Somebody say yay. Say yay. Clap your hands and praise him. Come on, praise him. Praise him. 
here the Holy Ghost said they're sick and they can't find what's going on. But God says that I'm going to shake up some things only to show the doctors that they don't know everything. If that's you, I dare you to step out in the aisle and give God a praise. For him turn, yeah, 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 right over in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody. Come on if you're going to come. 